0: Level three, late-night anger management class. This this is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Morenzi, the pips, the players, the hustlers, the people of Bustle, and everybody else in between. Shout out to all of our radio affiliates as we pick up the pieces following the NFL game of the year, the NFL bad beat maybe of the, I don't know, of the the century. Century's not that old. The millennium. Uh, That's not just like the bad beat of the year. That was like atrocious. And listen, I know there's a lot of bad beats, and, you know, we should write them all down, actually. And it's funny because I don't like the term bad beat, but there's something to it. There has been a lot of just crazy endings, college football and pro football, and which, you know, you're like, wow, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, tonight, like, was as crazy as it gets. The fact that they both went back and forth, the fact, you know, Lamar Jackson's out, he comes back, he throws the touchdown pass, you think it's over. Cleveland scores, and then Tucker, one of the best kickers in the history, of the National Football League, nails a 55-yarder. And then, you know, after all that, and I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, after all that, it's a push. (laughs) After all that, it's a push. And then, of course, the – I don't know. You know what? I don't know if this is for older uh, people that are tuning in right now or for those of you that know your sports history, but – I actually brought this up earlier in the day. Listen, the Cleveland Browns, uh, guys, the, the Cleveland Browns were playing the Raiders, and all they had to do was, like, kick a field goal. All they had to do was kick a field goal, like, late in the football game, and for some reason they threw it in the end zone, Brian Seip, and it was intercepted by the Raiders. I think uh, it was a Michael Haynes or Lester Hayes that picked it off, but uh, when they had all the stickum in those days. <laughs> so, and it was called the mistake by the lake. Let's call this one. That was the mistake by the lake, isn't it? This is the mistake by the lake too. But think about Cleveland over the years. Like, they, you know, like for we're, we'll get into this actually. Uh, I think it's an interesting uh, topic for it's a it's a history lesson for the young ones out there that don't understand the pain and misery of the Cleveland Browns. All right. You have the mistake by the lake. You have the drive, and uh, you have the fumble, and. The fumble might be, like, the fumble was the worst one. Like, the fumble was the worst one. Like, they were on the one-yard line, man. Like, like, they were on the one-yard line, man. Like, the Cleveland Browns fans have had their hearts ripped out hardcore over the years.
2: listening to a different kind of sports talk. We're not just talk about sports, but talk about sports you can use. Get the winning edge. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. I'm a ranger <laughs> I just can't live without ranger Hall.
0: <laughs> Late night anger management class. For all you Carmine Bianco fans, in which I know there's uh, literally thousands of people uh, right now, including Ryan Hainzer, <laughs> tuning in right now, late night hours. Where's Carmine? Where's Carmine? Did Carmine get scratched tonight? Carmine did not get scratched. Carmine will join us a little bit later on. We'll step up and then we'll talk some uh, NFL football. Um, Carmine's a Bills fan, so we'll, um, we'll, we'll bask in the Bills greatness. We'll bask in the Bills greatness. We're getting into some soccer. And I'll throw this out there, actually, for you late-night degenerate uh, gamblers. Actually, so, man, (coughs) this soccer stuff, these guys are relentless, all right? So the MLS Cup was just over the weekend, and um, the MLS Cup was over the weekend. Columbus Crew beats Seattle. But uh, the CONCACAF uh, begins. So basically, the CONCACAF Champions League, is it's like the Champions League, uh, but you know, Mexico, Costa Rica, Honduras, um, America, Canada, MLS, etc. Right? So it's it's the North American and uh, Central American or whatever, the CONCACAF version of the Champions League. So the Montreal Impact are in action. They're playing CD Olympia. They're playing CD Olympia tomorrow night. And um, CD Olympia are plus 130. The draw is plus 230, and the Montreal Impact are plus 175. The game is in Orlando due to COVID. Like the entire – they're playing the entire tournament, actually, in, in Orlando. So similar to the MLS's back because these teams can't be traveling all over the world right now. So it should be an advantage for the MLS teams, man. I mean, for the love of God. I mean, you know, you're know, you playing a team from Honduras. You, know, you don't even have to go to Honduras, which would have been pretty tough. But I'm not ready to back the Montreal Impact. I'm not ready to back the, you know, listen, they should, they're actually, they should win. But they lost the first leg of this 2-1, all right? They lost the first leg of this 2-1. Listen, guys, the total is 2.5, and and it's like minus 122. No reason why, you know, there's no reason not to take the over. Montreal Impact games are like great to bet the overs. Um, And the thing is, they need goals to the impact. They can't just win one 0 like they lost two one, and uh, now it's this is considered an away game on the aggregate, et cetera. So they need goals there's there should there's gonna be goals in this game. And you know what? we're starting to heat up a little bit right now, and this is a pick that we're gonna hammer. We're gonna get in on this, all right? right? So uh, take the over of that. So Cleveland Browns, and I don't know, like I don't know how many of you right now tuning in know your football history. And this isn't going back to the 60s or anything, but the fumble was a play that happened in a 1987 AFC Conference Championship game between the Browns and the Broncos. With a minute uh, and 12 left in the game, Ernest Beiner fumbled on the Broncos' one-yard line, will try to score a touchdown to pull within one point. The Broncos went on to win 38-33 after taking an intentional safety. It's amazing, isn't it, that the safety comes into play. Uh, and this is this is what's amazing. The two teams had met in the the year before the AFC conference championship game. The game also ended in a victory for the Broncos that featured a famous five minute ninety eight yard touchdown drive led by John Elway, known simply as the drive. Like you know, I mean, like the, there's pain. And this isn't in the same level of pain as those plays. It's not in the same level of pain as those plays, but it's just it just adds to the lore. It's like you know, young Cleveland Brown fans now have their historical game and oh, yeah, 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 that Monday nighter, um uh, yeah, yeah, that that Monday nighter, and as I stated, the Cleveland Browns you know, against the Raiders, too, like these guys <laughs> like these guys have been these guys have been knocking on the door and in fact. Here, this is a pretty, uh, this is pretty funny. There's actually a list here: ten worst plays in NFL history. All right, so basically, uh, Red Right uh, BB, one of the plays associated with the tortured sports col- culture of Cleveland. What stands out about this is how stupid the Cleveland Browns quarterback Brian Sype was. Cleveland was down 14-12 at home in the 1980 AFC Divisional Round game to the Oakland Raiders. It was a cold, frigid day in Cleveland. Uh, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was ultra cold. The Browns had the football on the 13-yard line with less than a minute left. Less than a minute left. All right? <laughs> Browns head coach Sam Bertilghiano told Spike to run a play called red slot right. All right? On first down. He instructed Sype to throw the ball into Lake Erie if nobody was wide open. In the end zone. Sight misread the Raiders' defense, tried to force the ball to tight end Ozzie Newsome. Raiders' safety Mike Davis read uh, Sight's telegraph pass and picked him off in the end zone. Funny, because Ozzie Newsome, of course, you know, Hall of Famer and built the, built the Ravens. Oakland then would run out the clock uh, to win the game 14-12. The Raiders would then go on to win the Super Bowl 27-10 over the Philadelphia Eagles. I remember that game. I was a kid. You know what's funny about that game? The Raiders partied all week. It was in New Orleans. The Raiders partied all week, and they got wasted. And uh, the Philadelphia Eagle players, like, had a curfew, and they took it all seriously. Ron Jaworski was the quarterback of the Eagles. And um, the Eagle players were out for, like, lunch, all right? Like, it wasn't even, like, nighttime. And they look over on Bourbon Street, and they're the Raiders, like a bunch of Raider players. Just hammered, like fighting, hammered, fighting with each other, throwing up. And the Eagle players thought they were going to win for sure. They were like, these guys, look at these guys. Like they're they're a mess. Like the Raiders partied all week. Like teams used to party. And in fact, you know, now that the Buffalo Bills are good, it's actually something that looking back, if you're wondering about the Bills history, that was the thing. That the there was a thought process that the Bills didn't take it seriously enough. Right. You know what I mean? Like the Bills, had, you know, Super Bowl week would go out and they'd enjoy the the limelight of the Super Bowl. And it, they didn't learn their lesson. And then word was out. It was like they just don't take it like they they don't get it. Like they've got to like tighten this thing up if they're going to win the Super Bowl. Like against the Giants, the game they lost against the Giants uh, with the Norwood Miss. So so Cleveland fan, I know we've got some Browns fans tuning in. I feel you're paying. You know, like me as a sports fan, I've been associated with a lot of, like, memorable bad plays. I've had a few go my way, but I'm a Dodger fan, so the Kirk Gibson home run was pretty cool. But, look, I'm a diehard Michigan basketball fan and football, but, you know, basketball I'm very hardcore about and and football, but let's just say the basketball team's actually good. (laughs) But the Chris Webber timeout, that you know that was pretty shocking and devastating that loss especially because the thing is they lost the year before in a title game right like look I'm a Bills fan four straight Super Bowls I'm a Michigan basketball fan you know they've lost like three national championship games they've been to the final four like four or five times and and haven't won it's been quite a run the Dodgers like went forever without winning uh, the Raptors finally won recently my sports um My sports fandom is coming around. I'm a Dodger fan. The Dodgers won this year. I'm a Raptor fan. Two years ago, the Raptors won. Right? It's been two years in a row I've had a team win. And you know what? I said it was like a check mark. It was like check, Raptors, check, Dodgers. Now it's like check, Buffalo Bills. If the Buffalo Bills won the Super Bowl, the, like, I, I, I can't like, uh, like like nobody would go to work in Western New York for like three weeks. Like it wouldn't be three days. Like it would be a three-week bender. It would be a people would be like the, you know falling into Niagara Falls by the dozens. Carmine Bianco is gonna step up and in and join us. Like night anger management class continues. Bring it.
2: Coming at you all day, every day, with more attitude than other lesser networks would deem appropriate. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. Bagels and Bad Beats. When you suffer your first loss, there is just a natural letdown.
0: And when you look at the standings and you're saying, ah, you know what, we got a two-game lead, there's only four games left. I mean, what are the chances, realistically, is a one-game lead with three games left?
2: It's Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel on Sports Grid. Weekdays, 5 a.m. Eastern, 2 a.m. Pacific. Listen on our mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, Sirius XM Channel 204, or wherever you get podcasts or watch on the sports grid radio page on youtube
1: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
2: it's simple really sports grid, good everything else bad this is the Sports Grid Radio Network.
0: Sports Rage Late Night continues. I am Gable Morenzi. Let's do this thing. Let's welcome in Carmine Bianco. It's time to talk football, NFL football, MLS football, Concacaf football, Champs League football, EPL football. That's the good thing about the soccer, guys. It's a lot like the UFC. There is no off season. Uh, but before we get into all of that, we have to talk Buffalo Bill football as Carmine is a proud member of Bill's Mafia and the bandwagon is filling up as the Bills are 10-3 and for the first time since 1991. Big Monday night win against San Francisco last week. Big Sunday night uh, football win against the Pittsburgh Steelers last night. Carmine steps up and then What's going on, Carmine? How you
3: doing? Not much, man. Uh, I, I'm pretty happy uh, with this Bills team, man. I've gone through and and like I said, I've told everyone the bandwagon is uh, it, it's uh, there's still some seats on it. But I've been a Bills fan back from the high school days where they were like uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. They were like one in fifteen and two in fourteen. So I've gone through the bad years and the four straight Super Bowl losses. I'm I'm pretty happy with the way this team is playing right now, and that was a signature win last night against the Steelers.
2: Yeah,
0: the Bills uh, The Bills are showing a lot. Josh Allen has really progressed uh, over the years. Brian Dable's done a great job. McDermott's done a great uh, job. And I'm an old-school Bills fan as well. I've never wavered over the years despite um, their struggles. And, you know, going back to the Joe Ferguson days, the O.J. Simpson days, although O.J. was just getting to the end, uh, sort of, with the Bills when I jumped on board in the late uh, 70s. Uh, but there's been a lot of pain and heartache along the way. It's nice to um, you know, it's nice to be playing football games that actually matter at this time of the year. So it's a big game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are starting to regress right now. Their, their offense is just so predictable. Big Ben's arm seems to be shot. And the Buffalo Bill defense, Carmine, who a lot of people were critical of, including myself uh, earlier in the year, they were playing these two-linebacker schemes. They were getting lit up. Their secondary was getting torched. They couldn't stop the run. But I think a lot of it had to do with injuries, and specifically Milano and Trey White. And both Milano and Trey White are healthy now. You see that they're, they're making plays. And in today's modern NFL, it's all about putting points up on the board. Guys, the Bills had one of the best defenses in the league for the last couple of years and kept getting bounced because they couldn't score more than 20 points a football game. Now the Buffalo Bills can put up 27. Now they can put up 30. Now they can put up 30-plus if they have to. And for all the talk that defense wins championships, the fact of the matter is, if you can't put points up on the board in the modern NFL, you're not going to get to the Super Bowl with that defense.
3: Yeah, I know. 100% agree. And, and that's the thing, uh, having a guy like Milano and White Whiteback, uh, when the defense knows, and, and your defensive coordinator as well, of course, that the offense can put up, 27, 31, 35 points, uh, which they've done this year. Uh, it, it allows them to game plan a lot differently. And, and, and and th- this is what they're doing and they're playing much better and, you know, just keep these guys healthy. You know what I mean? And we saw it last night against, uh, they, they, they didn't give Pittsburgh anything. Uh, Roethlisberger was like what, one 21 of 37, uh, 187 <laughs> yards. Uh, maybe they are regressing. The great thing is, is getting that win is, The Steelers close out, Uh, they've got a gimme this weekend, but they close out against Indianapolis and uh, and the Cleveland Browns. So a couple losses there, and uh, we can flip positions if the Bills can win out uh, the rest of the way here, uh, starting this uh, weekend with Denver. But uh, getting that number two seed in the AFC East means you avoid Kansas City uh, until the uh, uh, conference finals.
0: That's a good point. And so it's, a, it's a very good point. Although it's unique this year, that would be the Buffalo Bills' luck, wouldn't it? And uh, Bills' fans' luck that that they would have the second-best record in the conference in the first year ever that they, you don't get a, a bye week for that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just the way that it's... it would work out. So the two-seed is big. You know, you always want to finish higher, but at the same point in time, the fact that there isn't, Um, there isn't a buy for for the the two seed in either conference uh, this year. There's an added playoff team. But with all that being stated, you still always want to finish higher. I don't believe in that. Well, no, you don't want to play this team and that team because you never know what's going to happen, and you might end up with home field after. And we've seen this in the past, right? You know, we've seen this in the past where a team didn't expect to end up with home field, but they end up uh, with it moving forward. Now, the Buffalo Bills... It's been an emotional year for them. They played a lot of big games. It's been very very intense. like the bills have been very, very focused this year. They had a little bit of a uh, a bumpy run uh, midseason for that three weeks, but they are starting to get back on track. they're they're dialed in right now. But with all that being stated, it's a tough spot against Denver. You know, you're talking about all these primetime games against big time teams, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Tennessee. Now you're playing one of these holiday Saturday games against the Denver Broncos. Broncos season hasn't gone the way that uh, they like, but we've seen the Broncos have shown flashes of being very competitive, and they're they're a very capable football team. They're able to win uh, football games. Tough spot for the Bills. I'm not, like, losing sleep, like, oh, no, Denver's going to beat us. But at the same point in time, I'm not running to my computer to to lay six and a half points uh, right now in this game.
3: Yeah, and that's the thing is uh, it opened at like five and a half, I think forty eight, and and the number drove up. Um, whether that was sharp money or not, uh, they're betting the bills. Uh, I don't think Buffalo really cares whether they're, could they cover that spread or not. It's just putting another W in the column, uh, uh, you know, in in Denver, you know, and then they finish off with uh, you know a game at um, uh, at New England and and at home against the Dolphins, which will probably be a big game for the Dolphins because that could be a game that uh, gets the Dolphins into the playoffs because um, they're not certain to get in there right now. Uh, there, there's a log jam uh, starting to form up with some other teams coming in. And the Dolphins suffered a few injuries on the weekend. So it was a bad one. And, uh, and you know, I think Tua uh, rolled his ankle as well, too. So we'll have to see what that Dolphins team looks like this week. but. Uh, give this team credit. Other than that Titans won and that Chiefs one, there were those back-to-back losses. They have played extremely well. They beat the Seahawks, uh, and they deserved a little bit better against the Cards on that hail mary at the end of the game. Or they That's could very point. well be 11 and two right now.
0: You're exactly right. They, you know, and we you know we could argue. You know what? You're right about that. They they could be 11 and two, but we could also argue that they should have lost that game against the Rams. The Rams really did get screwed late in that game. It goes both ways. It is what it is. I think they are what the record says they are, but it's a good point. But it just goes to show how good they actually have been playing. And as Carmine mentioned, so there's Denver, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. And I'll tell you what, there's one thing, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again, Carmine. I've been critical of Goodell over the years. I'll be critical when the NFL deserves to be criticized. But at the same point in time, even though it sucks for teams suddenly that the two c doesn't mean as much because you don't get the bye week, it really makes everything so much more competitive going into the final weeks. Kansas City can't take the pedal off the medal, at least not yet. Um, you look, the Buffalo Bills are still in this thing, and you're talk we talk about the you know the advanced schedule right now, guys. The final week of the season, there's a lot of these rivalry games that have kind of been meaningless over the years. That are suddenly special. The Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers play each other on the final, uh, the final Sunday of the National Football League season. The Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills suddenly a game that could be big, just like it was in the in the old days in the Dan Marino and Coach Shula uh, days against Jim Kelly and uh, company. Carmine uh, Bianco kicking it uh, with us. Great time to be a football fan, uh, right now, Carmine. With the NFL, you got College Bowl season. Uh, coming up. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, soccer or psychos. They don't stop. It's like year round. You know, it's like MLS is, they did the MLS is back tournament. And then right out of the tournament into the regular season, right into the MLS Cup, right into the CONCACAF Champions
3: League. Yeah. It's because, you know I mean? Uh, it, it's It's all about money. So they put in these tournaments in the summer. So a perfect example is you know, uh, every domestic league is going to run until the first week of May next year, uh, 2021. And then you've got the end uh, middle of May, you have the Champions League final, the Europa League final. Uh, if that's not enough, MLS is going on at the same time. Then in June, the Euros, Euro 2020, which was cancelled this year, wow. is next next June, 2021. So it's going to be splattered all over in Canada. It'll be Sportsnet and TSN, which is the american canadian version of espn but espn and fox will carry the euros uh um as well too so and and that runs june july and then all of a sudden august the the new seasons of every single european league starts so uh there's always uh there's always games on there's just a ton of games on and uh that's what i love about it because uh it there's always action and there's always good action as opposed to you know, like the Nicaraguan league and and what have you, and that's what we were all betting when sports shut down in uh, in April across the world. So people these were still players, betting. Yeah,
0: it's a good point. But the, these players are going to be worn out. They're going to be worn out. Managers, sides, countries, teams. Everyone's going to have different agendas about what what's so, what's uh, so critical. It's the only good thing. And there's nothing good about this pandemic. But I'm just you know the only. You know, the only thing is for, for sports fans is everything it's basically just wall to wall now all the time. Yeah. You know, like look, like the NBA off season is usually an off-season. Instead, it's 64 days <laughs> and they're back yeah. right away. The and NHL we'll is gonna be back. Well, the NHL we back probably in February because they're they're arguing about money uh right now. But they're for for the record, the NHL guys, for people wondering what's up with the NHL. It's the exact thing is uh, same thing as happened with baseball. The owners don't really want to play that many games without fans because they don't make as much money. So they don't mind they don't mind shrinking the season. Like that's they, you know and they won't admit it publicly, but they don't mind shrinking the season. So and you know what? it'll make for good hockey actually though. you know, you get a nice 50 game schedule, 53 game schedule, whatnot. And I think this stuff shows guys, these sports league schedules, and seasons are too long as it is to begin with. I, You know, I like this NBA, you know, cutting, cutting 10 games. Sports Rage Late Night continues.
1: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: Late night anchor management class, it continues. I am Gable Marenzi. We're kicking it with Carmine Bianco, wager talk in the house. So, uh, Carmine, a lot of stuff to get to, but let let us uh, congratulate you because I remember for the last couple of weeks and the last uh, month or so when we were talking MLS and MLS futures, you talked about the Columbus crew being a dangerous side, and I know you got a nice significant piece of the crew who get it done and beat the Seattle Sounders on Saturday night, rather convincingly as well. Seattle, Seattle have that pedigree. They were in the MLS Cup for the fourth time in five years, but they just got ambushed early in the first half of that match. Congratulations to you
3: and the crew. Thanks. Yeah, it, uh, I was pretty happy about it. I got the crew at fourteen to one, and I think at the time I, I kept saying to everyone that, you know, I thought the crew were uh, definitely the the uh, if not the best team in the East, the best team in, in the whole league. And uh, I thought they would represent the East. And at 14-1, to 1, there were a good bet that if, even if you wanted to hedge it out, and I did hedge out just a couple of units or uh, four units on Seattle in the finals to lift the the trophy. And that was only because you know I found out a couple of the crew players 24 hours before the game tested positive for COVID and two big parts of that team. And yet... Uh, yeah, for the crew, still, yeah. for the they crew, and they yet, and they, and goals. yet, yeah, and they still <laughs> rolled them, and they still rolled them. So, and you know, my love for Seattle boat is about the same as my love for your Montreal Impact. So, um, and 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 uh, with that <laughs> said, I was very happy that the crew won at fourteen to one with those guys in the lineup. And Zilleran, he's he's uh, he's a big guy. This is a guy that they brought in. A, I think it was a seven million dollar transfer from League MX, and you know, he scored two goals in this game and just was all over. Seattle. So, uh, kudos to them uh, on winning that.
0: And you know what? Kudos to them uh, as well. They've been through a lot. That franchise, haven't they? Recently, you, talk about like them leaving and controversy with the ownership group, and you being a TFC fan and a TFC guy. You know, I remember in the old days when it, that was like one of the big rivalries in, in the MLS, the Crew and TFC, and it would get yeah. pretty nasty and contemptuous, but. It's nice to see the crew win. You look at the Sounders. I'm just saying, you look at all these sort of new, flashy teams that come into the league, and the old guard are still more often than not the ones left standing, aren't they, when it's all said and done?
3: Yeah, it is. But, you know, we're just seeing this league grow now. We're seeing more... Players, it, it's no longer the um, and people still like to call it the retirement league and stuff. We're seeing uh, more and more players coming here because there's more and more money and and they're figuring out a way of of uh, allowing bigger transfer fees um, with this allocation money and and they're just making it bigger so we can bring in better players, better quality uh and more and you are seeing more and more teams you said we saw Nashville and and uh, Inter Miami this year and you got Beckham involved with Inter Miami and he wants to bring in all these name players didn't really work in their first season but they made the playoffs so uh there's there's good times ahead for this league uh I think it's it, it's only going to yeah. grow if we can get past this covid stuff
0: especially especially guys when you consider when you consider that the world cup the World Cup is coming to North America. So Mexico, United States, Canada. And, and, you know, it's very critical for the MLS to grow the game. And how much is that going to help the MLS moving forward? Like, I, you know, the MLS growth, if... Listen, I'm not a business major from Harvard University, or any university for that matter, but I don't need to be a, a business grad to know the growth of the MLS is through the roof. I mean... It's to the point where they actually reject, like, good bids, guys. It's pretty crazy. Like, they have real cities and stuff that want to get in, and the MLS is patient. They say, you know what? You're not quite ready yet. Grow your fan base a little bit more. Yeah, you got money, you got a stadium, but grow, grow your fan base a little bit more. And I give them credit. You look at the markets that they picked, and they've been smash successes. Um, you know, look at, look at Cincinnati and the success that the, uh, they've had uh, with the fan base. You know, Austin, Texas is going to be very, uh, very, very successful. Atlanta, you know what I mean? Uh, what oh, Atlanta. Atlanta did. Dude, they sell more t- – they, they, they were filling that place up more than the Falcons were. Like, yeah. no joke. And it wasn't just like a novelty. No. I know people in Atlanta. We have viewers and callers in Atlanta, and they were telling me, oh, man, like, it's a big party, the tailgate, the parades, and the bands outside. And, and it's not just like people – like, people will go to an XFL game – or an Alliance League football game just to get drunk. We'll go and say It's an event. People are into the MLS in these cities. Look at Seattle. Seattle's a big football town. We all know about the Seahawks and the 12th Man and all that. They have a ton of sounder fans. Like, they you know, the stadium is full. You know, it's not like 78,000 people full, but it's full, full. You know, and I'm just saying, yeah, the growth of the MLS, Kovale um, had heard it quite a bit because a lot of the internationals and the star players didn't play or they opted out, they stayed at home, uh, you know, in, in their in their in their countries, uh, so to speak. But I've always been a big um big MLS supporter. And I'm you know I'm, I'm old school going back to the uh, the North American Soccer League yeah. days, right? Yeah. Uh, the Toronto Blizzard, uh you know, New, New York, York Cosmos. Cosmos. I saw Pele and <laughs> Beckenbauer, yeah. Tampa Bay Rowdies, all these teams. Love that league.
3: Love yeah, they that have, league. Montreal it, Manic. It's uh, they have the opportunity, and, and like you said, with the World Cup to bring more eyes to North America to continue to build the product. You know, the one thing that's missing that a lot of the purists will always tell you is they wish the MLS had uh, a promotion relegation kind of league with uh, because there is MLS too, and there's a ton of teams in, in that one, but um, the owners here are, are never going to go for it because they want to be in the number one league. Uh, that's in North America. They don't want to be in the secondary league. They want to be on TV. They want that TV money, which hey, listen, isn't I'm as much. I'm an
0: MLS fan. I'm an MLS fan. Uh, we don't need relegation in this yeah. league, all right? No, we're that's good the way it is. That's the least of our problems in this league. Yeah, no, no, that, no we're good the, the way least. it is. So speaking of uh, the MLS teams, this is always interesting. They have the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, so we, uh, everyone loves the Champions League. So this is the CONCACAF Champions League. And uh, we have the Montreal Impact a Montreal Impact are playing uh, CCD Olympia, who are a Honduras uh, side. Uh, we have um, NYFC take on the the, the Tigers, Latin uh, We've got Atlanta United versus CF America. And LAFC takes on uh, Cruz Azul uh, as well. So we actually have some interesting CONCACAF uh, matchups uh, this week. And, I, you know, listen, anytime I see a Montreal Impact match, I want to bet the over. They lost the first leg of this, guys, two to one. So it's like you know, like any aggregate, you know, it's two two matches. So Montreal lost the first leg two one. They're dodging a bullet. They don't have to go to Honduras to play the second leg of this. They're playing it in Orlando uh, due to the you know the travel uh, implications. So I'm looking at the two and a half uh, minus 122 to the over. Montreal need to win this game, and they need goals. I don't see why this game doesn't go over two and a half, Carmine.
3: No, I agree with you. Uh, because they have that, obviously, that uh, they, I, I believe they use the aggregate away goals rule, even a 1-0 uh, win for Montreal isn't enough. So, yeah, they've got to win. They've got to score goals. Uh, and this is why, uh, you know what I mean? Like, you're looking at Montreal is plus 160-ish, but Montreal to qualify is plus 240, and it's one of those things where... You can take an extension of it and say well you know what i mean if montreal is going to win this game yeah uh or they're gonna uh, yeah and you think they're going to advance then uh, you might as well take uh that plus 240. obviously the one they should in, be able to beat a team from Honduras, yeah. shouldn't they, they they should they they had 20 shots 20 shots towards the goal or 20 attempts on goal last game 76 percent uh ball possession and I think only three of those 20 shots actually made it on goal. If they can actually hit the target and uh, not get any any block, uh, it's one of those things. Get ahead and keep pushing. Uh, I'm not sure what this, how this Honduras team is going to play, but uh, Montreal was about a 180, minus 180 favorite in that game at home, and now you're getting plus 162 on them, and it's on a neutral field, essentially, because uh, they're not, like you said, going to Honduras. So... You're actually there's actually value in this line as it stands right now uh so I, I would agree with you there's goals in the making here and Montreal I think are, are live at 162.
0: uh how about the uh, the Tigra against uh NYFC never easy when you're dealing with a Mexican side here uh carmine yeah and, uh, NYFC lost the first leg one nil what's your take on this one
3: yeah you know uh sort of looking at these last three games, uh, I just can't get by, by these uh, any of these Mexican uh, Liga MX sides like Tigres, uh, Club America, uh, Cruz Azul. It's one of those things where. You know, um, the season is over for MLS. Uh, you know, they're in training, but they're they're not playing any friendlies. They're not, in uh, I'm not going to say in, in perfect game shape type yeah. of thing, but Geek MX has always had that advantage in CONCACAF because their seasons run throughout the year. They, they, they have a couple of different seasons, but um, they're in the middle of theirs when we're just starting ours, which are usually so in February, 8-4. March very so, peak form yeah yeah so and it's one of those things so this is why they 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 tend to roll over um you know uh, the, our mls sides so i just can't see uh all three of them if you want to look at it uh new york city uh atlanta united or uh lafc even getting results in these games uh, i have to, I have to believe that all three mexican sides win
0: and as you know, and as we stated about Orlando, all the matches are in Orlando due to the the Covid. So uh, Orlando's sort of become the the MLS uh, uh, you know headquarters this year. And you know, you mentioned, listen, Atlanta aren't very good to begin with uh, right now. And uh, club America already already up, 3 nil. And you look at LAFC who are always heavily hyped in the MLS, uh, heavily hyped in the MLS world. how do you think they match up against Cruz Azul?
3: yeah that's it that's the it, that's the other thing is you know they're not at home they're not playing at the bank right where yeah. uh even with 10 or 20 percent fans they make so much noise that uh, you have them there it just it's just one of those things where i just think they're up against it on a neutral field and even with the teams that you know i mean like a club america or, or that are up three nil already uh and have that advantage these teams don't rest players they don't uh uh, they don't think that they have it in the... They want to win every single game, you know what I mean? Especially when it's against an MLS. It's a rivalry. Uh, yeah, yeah, League MX and MLS, and they've held over us each and every year. Uh, like TFC making it to penalty kicks in the final was a, as, as far as any team has ever pushed a League MX side. So um, we're up against it. Can any of them surprise? I don't know. Uh, it, wouldn't it be great if the one team that did do it came from Montreal? Your Your impact...
0: Yeah, but, but you know what? The impact went on a deep run, actually. Yeah. They went on a deep run, and they filled up Olympic Stadium, getting 50,000-plus uh, in, in this uh, CONCACAF Champions League. But it's a good point that Carmine brings up. The Mexicans don't like losing to American teams. It's like, it's an insult to them. Like, it's really low. Their fan base do not like losing to MLS teams, Canadian or American. The other the other nations are kind of a little bit overwhelmed Uh, a little bit but the MLS really and it's a good point you raised too the MLS haven't been in rhythm like all year let's be real and they have to be a little bit beaten down I mean they played the they played the tournament Orlando they played the regular season they've gone through the playoffs it's been unorthodox to say the least so listen man uh, time just flew by here we've only got about a minute left Uh, we'll get into the the real Champions League next time we talk Uh, it resumes in uh, mid-February And I'm very interested to see how this plays out. Bayern have looked like one of the all-time great sides um, over the last year and a half or so. But a lot like the Kansas City Chiefs. They're starting to uh, play a lot of close matches. They might be getting a little bit bored. They might be looking at the big picture uh, right now. So I look forward to breaking it down uh, with Carmine. You can follow Carmine uh, on uh, Twitter, Carmine Bianco. Uh, wager talk tv as well find these guys uh over at uh, youtube website wager talk.com carmine always a pleasure my man thanks a lot uh for for taking the time to be with us on sports rage late night
3: thanks brother good luck with your wagers
0: carmine bianco stepping up and in as we throw it down on the monday night meltdown Level two, a three-minute warning. Tony Finn kicking in with us as uh, we're going through the National Football League rotation uh, right now. I'm just uh, taking a back here from the San Jose State Spartans. Wow. You know, Tony, yeah. last week they were in Hawaii. I didn't think they were going to win that football game. I was like, man, it's a tough spot. You know, they're going out yeah. to Hawaii on short notice. Game game was supposed to be in San Jose. And they moved it and blah, blah, and, and all this. And, and they win that game. They come back. Nevada's a good football team. You're in Nevada. You know Carson Strong's a good quarterback. They're a well-coached team. Absolutely. Um, Just, you know, Nevada's a good football team. And the game was being played in Las Vegas. Um, You know, you, the Wolfpack are in Reno. So Reno and Vegas aren't close, though. People think it's close. It's not, but it's still. No. You know they play in Vegas all the time. It's in their same state. You're in, you're playing in your home state, and San Jose State look early. And I saw people on Twitter, like, ha, San Jose State are being exposed and blah 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 blah, and all that type of stuff. Man, like you said, they're gritty. And I brought this up, Tony. I don't know if you agree with this. We have a two. For the top, yeah, it was in. Don't worry, it was just a quick update on the other side. We'll keep going. But I compared San Jose State and what they're doing to the New York Giants. They remind me the same thing. I don't know, like they're not great, they don't do anything perfect, but they make plays. They play with heart, they're just playing with energy, heart, emotion. And I don't know, like San Jose State, guys, they're small, man. They look like a high school team sometimes. I was looking at their line. I'm like, man, you guys are small next to Nevada. Uh, even. And man, these kids, I don't know how they do it, Tony. What a job Brandon's doing there, man.
1: It's uh, it's impressive. And you mentioned it, uh, they they are kind of like the Giants and uh,
0: they don't they're not they're not fun to watch per se. It's it's okay, but they they always look rough. They look like they they, they don't look like they're it's a weird feeling. It's it's like watching the Rams. Listen, the Rams are not an aesthetically pleasing team when They're the most balanced team in football. They don't.